Articles by Desiring God Chapter and Verse Protestants The Reformation Legacy of Little Berea This is David Mathis. It was a late night at the annual meeting of the Evangelical Theological Society almost 20 years ago. The day's formal schedule was done, and a couple dozen young, impressionable seminarians gathered chairs around a few veteran scholars to pepper them with questions. Among the handful of established professors, two in particular shone as the brightest lights in the room. Hands down, these two had published the most books and had the most recognizable names beyond academic circles. When these two spoke, the room listened most intently. By the end of the evening, however, a striking difference had emerged between the two lights. As they contributed answers to question after question, one defaulted, quite conspicuously, to quoting Westminster and little scripture. The other shared very little, if any, Westminster, but text after text from the Bible. I suspect it went unnoticed at first, but eventually the pattern became pronounced. More than a handful of us had taken notice by the end. On that night, the two Reformed lights ended up with mostly the same answers to our battery of questions. But the way they arrived at those answers exposed different instincts. One defaulted to Westminster, the other to Scripture. It left a lasting impression on me. I knew which one I wanted to be like. And while I couldn't find any passage in Westminster commending the first approach, my mind immediately ran to a passage in the book of Acts, among others, that commends the second. Born Again in a Small Town In Acts 17, having been chased from Thessalonica by an angry, envious mob, Paul and Silas come to a town called Berea. They start with the synagogue, as was their practice. Luke then marks a contrast with these Bereans in Acts 17, 11-12. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, as well as men. Clearly, Luke is not just reporting. He is commending. Oh, for all hearers of Christian preaching, he would say, to follow in the steps of these small town nobles. Luke highlights two particular aspects of what made this response more noble. Like hungry children. First, he says, they received the word with all eagerness. Paul and Silas came to Berea to herald a message, a word, not their own, but from God through Christ. They came to give what they themselves had not created but received. The noble Berean response began with openness, even readiness to receive, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ as objective and given and unalterable and with open hands, receive it. And Luke doesn't leave us guessing as to how they received it. He says, with all eagerness. This word from God himself in Christ was not received with hostility or with apathy. However much Luke commends this synagogue in Berea for an objective, level-headed examining of scripture, let us not presume that receiving the word implies doing so dispassionately or with coolness. They received it eagerly. 
As Ajit Fernando comments, their nobility lay in their willingness to acknowledge their need, resulting in an eagerness to hear from God and to receive what they heard. Like hungry children in need of food, they sought God's word. Like careful prosecutors. Second then, Luke also reports what form this eager reception took, that is, examining the scriptures daily. Doubtless, first century Jews did not have Christian creeds and confessions to consult, but they could have been greatly tempted to turn to a host of secondary resources, whether the Mishnah or oral law or the Jewish common sense and assumptions they were raised in or the growing corpus of second temple literature. Like us, they had plenty of other seemingly noble sources to turn to other than the scriptures themselves. They could have defaulted elsewhere to check the validity of Paul's message. But by God's grace, these Jews turned precisely to where they needed to turn. God's own word, not human formulations. Paul had started them in the right direction by his own practice. When he came to preach in synagogues, as Acts 17.2, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul pointed them in the right direction. He set up his listeners to check his message in Scripture by first reasoning with them from Scripture. So, following Paul's lead, these noble Bereans examined the Scriptures for themselves. Eagerness and examination were not at odds. Luke commends both their heartfelt concern and their deliberate care. Noble indeed. They wanted to know the true God and his truth, and neither apathy nor gullibility would benefit the pursuit. And pursuit it was. This was no mere moment or flash in the pan. The Bereans endured in their careful search. They made eager reception with scriptural examination a daily practice. Reformation Warning In our own day, We too know the temptation of defaulting to voices other than Scripture to tell us what Scripture says, and particularly those of us who gladly profess ourselves to be Reformed and unashamed sympathizers with the Reformation and its great legacy. We have access to a stunning and growing wealth of secondary literature, old and new, and best among it all are our creeds and confessions. They are precious to be cherished far above the latest title off the press. Too few modern Christians appreciate the wisdom and value of the ancient creeds and faithful confessions like Westminster and others in its wake. However, as those of us who rally to sola scriptura, scripture alone as our supreme and final authority, we do well to regularly check our practice with those noble readers in Berea. Do we daily? with eagerness, examine the scriptures for ourselves? Our best creeds, if we let them, will remind us precisely of this and encourage us to make a practice of this, even as useful as confessions can be when checking our work. Keep searching the scriptures. For instance, the first section of the Desiring God Affirmation of Faith, though recognizing that limited abilities traditional biases, personal sin, and cultural assumptions often obscure biblical texts, commends humble and careful effort to find in the language of Scripture itself 
what God has to say to us through his prophets and apostles. And that's a warning worthy of sounding not only at the outset of the affirmation, but at the end as well. The 15th and final section reprises this confession. We do not claim infallibility for this affirmation and are open to refinement and correction from Scripture. Yet we do hold firmly to these truths as we see them and call on others to search the Scriptures to see if these things are so. As conversation and debate take place, it may be that we will learn from each other and the boundaries will be adjusted, even possibly folding formerly disagreeing groups into closer fellowship. For now, we see much in the scriptures dimly, not yet as we will. Young and old, we're all to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord as given in his word. How tragic would it be then, in self-identifying as reformed, to keep scripture at arm's length in our admiration for those who so memorably champion the scriptures, be it Luther, Calvin, Owen, Edwards, Westminster, or the Second London Confession. So too, cutting the other way, as those genuinely eager to receive the word and examine the scriptures daily, we do well to beware of letting sola scriptura be a cloak for our own personal interpretation. Remembering those noble saints in Berea can renew in us the resolve to hold looser to human opinions and assumptions, especially our own. It's a subtle but real and well-worn danger. We can fly the banner of sola scriptura as a guise for rejecting the time-tested wisdom of creeds and confessions in service of our own personal instincts and interpretations. Default to God's Own Words Those who teach faithfully and fruitfully in the church in the coming generation, as in the past, will be eager to herald scriptural truth, and they also will be eager to keep learning and growing for themselves. No pastor or Christian leader has arrived, and the best know it well. Good pastors and teachers are ready to stand for what they know scripture to teach, and yet are humbly eager and willing to grow and be shown to be wrong from scripture. However much we cherish and rehearse and draw wisdom from time-tested creeds and confessions, we learn to default to Scripture itself. We relish the very words of God even more, not just in theory, in daily practice, in eager daily examination. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.